This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're a woo 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 why hi there welcome to the wild world of the woo verse i am kira lee and i'm lynette and we are energy workers we're spiritual guides we're harry potter fanatics and just general like woo babes and we're here to talk about all things spirit soul awakening inner journey And Elle, this week we're diving into an aspect of the collective experience that we are all having at the moment, but that maybe we haven't felt able to talk about or really verbalize so much grief. Mm. It's a bit like we're having an earthwide funeral right now, isn't it? Like Mm. so much loss and transformation and change and grieving. How are you doing with it? How's, How's it all on planet Elle right now? Well, good in, in so many ways that, I appreciate being able to speak to like-minded people who are also open to talking about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the changes. And it seems like everyone's having lots of different feelings as we've talked about before every single day. But there are still things that... All the feelings. Just all of them. But then every couple of days I go, wow, that's new or have to adjust to that. And like swinging from feeling to numb. Oh, I'm like, oh my God, all the feelings. feelings. Oh my God, completely numb. No. Oh my God, all the feelings. Yeah. Oh my God, completely numb. It's contractions. And yeah. and things that I keep having this feeling that I've lost things, but then I find things. Like I discover new things. And so it's a bit of a light and shade experience. But this last week, I have spoken to and connected to a lot of people who are probably starting to recognize the full essence of grief and you know people who are worrying more than what their eyebrows are doing or you know when their next hair dye is going to be this is really the awakening to what is truly happening and do you think that's partially like the timing of this is partially because and again different people having very different experiences with this so there was like it was so hectic and we were in such adrenaline when it all first happened and that kind of 10-day period where everything closed and the new reality was kind of imposed and then we all had to scramble to figure out what that meant and find our base and kind of get get the wobbles sorted and now we're far enough along into it that now the emotions can rise and the grief can rise and we can fully understand what really has been lost and what has changed. Yeah, yeah, and the process that this is going to be, I think, is starting to hit Mm. us. Do you know when it hit me? Last weekend we answered the door and there were two policemen that were on our doorstep and they looked really solemn and my heart immediately, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not good news. Mm. And they were like, we're so sorry. And we're like, no, no, please come in, you know, social distance into our house. And they're like, we have to deliver some bad news. And I was like, okay. Oh, God. Yeah. And they said, your sign out the front. And my children made this sign that said honk for the helpers. And it's got a big mm-hmm. rainbow on it. And it, we yeah. live not far off a main road. So people are honking, you know. And we cheer yeah. like a good sushi restaurant when everybody honks. Like every, Yeah. Know. Anyway, they said, your sign out the front has attracted an official complaint. Wow. From somebody who is unhappy with the amount of people honking. At all mm-hmm. hours of the day and all hours of the night. And my mm-hmm. partner and I, I think, just stood there looking at this beautiful police officer going, mm-hmm. and he said, I've got to confess, I honk at your sign. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, that's where we made it. Kind of brings a bit of light. We all cheer when there's a honk, makes us feel more connected because we, you know, there's no real clapping in our country for the people who help us. And he said, you know, you're not under any obligation to do anything about this, but we have to let you know that not everyone in your community is happy about it. And so Mm. then he left and he was really lovely and his counterpart was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. 
And we're like, no, 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 we'll have to think about what we're going to do about it. We don't want to create havoc in the community. My partner thought about changing the H to a B, which he said, as long as they don't do it loudly, should be acceptable. Should be fine. Oh, and while the car <laughs> is moving, it's it. fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I had this day where I could not stop grieving. I grieved all day. It's such a little thing compared to what some people are going through. But for me, it was the realisation that... Everything wasn't rainbows and NHS clapping and clap for the angels and it wasn't all goodwill and, you know, glitter and lollipops and let's do this together. I think I realised that humanity had such a long way to go and that if one little sign and honestly a few honks a day was causing someone distress who was not a nighttime worker, by the way, it actually broke my heart. For a minute mm. and that's mm. the thing I keep hearing from people I'm a little bit heartbroken that's what I've heard throughout the last week from people things have just broken my heart a little bit and that's big mm. Mm. have you had a similar experience what's your what's your end of things been like I'm really so happy that we're asking each other these questions I was on a call last night for a um a support group call for for moving through this And one of the um, facilitators uh, asked a woman who was talking about her grief and and her pressures at the moment, what have you lost? And it just hit me like Mm. a ton of bricks because I realized we've all lost something Mm. and it's a sliding scale, some much more than others, but also everybody has lost something in this. We are all have lost. We are all coming towards grief if we choose to. It's a process we are all going through at the moment. And my big grief right now is realizing that my my lifestyle is over. Mm. I was a digital nomad. Mm. I traveled the world. I have been on the road for three years. I, it was all predicated on open borders, cheap flights, and I didn't choose for it to be over. And I didn't ask for it to be over. And like, it's over, Mm. like it's done. I don't Mm. think we go back to that world anymore. I don't think movement is going to be in the future, what it was in the past. And like, I'm going to be okay, but I'm really just realizing that my life and what I thought it was going to be and all my plans are over. And just sitting with that, like just sitting with having that handed to me and the loss of control and the humility that comes with that. Yes, And that's what people keep saying to me is I feel like I'm coming to terms with that something is ending or something is changing. Someone even said to me, you know, for the last 10 years, I feel like I've been working in a world of wellness and about being positive and making the world what you want it to be and now I have to acknowledge that something deep is coming on and and we're living in a different world. I think that is true. We spoke about that a little bit when we went through zeitgeist and archetypes and we talked about spiritual tunnels and that is that we are not in the world we were in 2019 oh like January 2020 (laughs) like bits of February 2020 were the old world and here we are in the new world and it's not just that the new world takes on its complexity and its structure straight away and we knew that we knew the age of Aquarius was going to take this journey but I don't think we knew quite fully what it was going to be if you didn't see this covered (laughs) this week I've spoken to a lot of people around the world in Australia What was big for me was to hear how many people weren't evicted because, you know, the government made her, you won't be evicted. But what happened was they were left no alternative but to accrue a huge debt. So they basically Mm. had to make the decision, I will leave my home. Now I have to find, because I don't want to go into debt. So the whole concept that there were all these promises made, the reality is that people don't know when they're going back to work, the supplements are not enough you know they're not going to evict you but you're going to have to pay a massive debt or you can dip into your future and super which is you know your money anyway or your holidays and I think people started to realize oh the light that I thought that was on the horizon actually in reality means that no I've got to cope with a lot more change than I thought I did yeah and we are at the beginning of it like even though we may be getting towards the end of the quarantine we're at the beginning of what this actually all means and one of the things about grief that makes it so powerful and such a presence and I feel like it's one of the realest emotions because it really does put you in touch with an honest existential truth and that is that you have no control and we 
forget yeah, that and we feel like we can shop control. We like we can choose between the 50 different types of tuna or soy milk or whatever. We have this illusion of control and it's a really pervasive illusion, but it is an illusion nonetheless. And then grief comes along and puts you in touch with that timeless truth. You are not in control. And it is humbling and amazing and awful and beautiful and terrifying and difficult. I just want to quickly read a quote from Elizabeth Gilbert. And actually, so I have this theory that if everybody gets a dollar every time you talk about Clarissa. Picola Estes. <laughs> Picola Estes. Um, and then everybody's rich. Everybody gets a dollar every time I quote Elizabeth Gilbert. And now everybody's rich. Um, and this is what she has to say about grief. Grief is a force of energy that cannot be controlled or predicted. It comes and goes on its own schedule. Grief does not obey your plans or your wishes. Grief will do whatever it wants to you, whenever it wants to. And in that regard, grief has a lot in common with love. Charlie, bam. I know. I know. Mic it's drop. good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Episode over. But it's like there is beauty in grief, isn't there? there like is. grief is difficult, but it is beautiful. I think we're still in some of the difficult phase but I hear you and and I agree with you I don't think in our lifetime we have been through something where on a mass collective there's been so many things to grieve and funnily enough to make myself feel better I wrote a list of all the things writing a list makes me feel better too actually I love lists Virgo I wrote a list because I was like hold on a minute what are we sad about what's happening here besides you know the obvious and I thought let me write a list okay you ready you want it yeah share it yeah I I think it's really important we account for what we've lost so please yes Mm, okay loss of life loss of the Mm -hmm. chance to properly honor someone's life yeah births not being as we desire cancellation of holidays massive losses of income massive Mm -hmm. losses of security loss of health Mm -hmm. loss of dreaming Grief from separation and isolation, loss of time with elderly relatives and friends. We're grieving and we've lost normalis- normalcy. Is it that word? Loss mm. of normalcy? Is now. Yep. <laughs> grieving touch. We've lost touch. Oh, so much touch grieving. Mm. Yes. Mm. yes. Loss of structure and routine. Loss yep. of fitness. Loss of children mm. and time with our children and time away from our children where we really get to remember yep. who they are when we've had a moment. Loss of recovery and connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those people who are addicted, this time is really tough. They can't always get to their group and they can't always get to their sponsors. Yep. And Loss of support. Yep. Loss yep. of superannuation yep. and the future mm-hmm. funds. Loss of housing and home. Loss of personal power. Loss of time. Loss of choice. Loss of peace. Grief around political disharmony, loss of control over our appearance, loss of time with those we love in general, loss of a season. People who were just dating and are now separated, people who have to pack up and move and go from where they were living, things were bad and now they're worse, loss of political hopes, (laughs) loss of freedom, loss of experience, loss of pleasure, loss of routine, Loss of assets, loss of industry, loss of power, loss of time alone, loss of relationship stability, loss of faith, loss of school time, learning and development, loss of connection and cancellation of major celebration. That's just a quick list. That epic. I would add to that loss of nature Mm. and connection with nature. Absolutely. And that's like, that's a lot that we've lost in a very short period of time. And I'm sure we've left things off that list, you know. So I... I saw one the other day that was a, a woman going, I've, I'm grieving going out and bonding with women in the bathroom and having like the best five minutes and becoming their best friend and then leaving and never seeing them again. And I was like, that's right. That's a thing that you do when you go out in public. You form these little friendships, these little mini friendships. We're on the bus together. We're in the toilets together. We're like whatever together. And then I haven't just had a little temporary friend in... In a really long time. I miss that. Yeah, the randomness. Randomness. Spontaneity. Someone said to me the other day, I'm grieving a trip that I was planning, you know, next year for my holidays. People mm, have lost their work yeah. holidays. They've had to take holidays. And their weddings. Yeah. People have had to postpone Massive. their weddings. Yeah. yeah. So much loss. So much loss. Yeah. So much loss, which raises the question, 
what does it mean to lose and what does it mean to suffer and what does it mean to be in grief and sorrow? I mean, and I think we all know the answer because we've all experienced it. We're all in it. We've all, even if you've never had massive grief or loss in your life, you've had minor loss and grief. Things are constantly changing. We don't always get what we want. So maybe deep in our bones, we know what this feels like. But how do we verbalize it? How do we express it? Well, you know, psychologically, it's the mental, physical, social, emotional reaction to losing something or not being able to control Mm -hmm. something. But I think Mm -hmm. on a deeper level, sorrow and grief and loss is the acknowledgement the marking that our energy and our mind and our body is making it's like the moment that it accepts or understands that there has been that shift like it's it's yeah, a visceral yeah. display it's clarity of visceral clarity change. and understanding isn't it that yeah that something has yeah. changed something is gone yeah. Because it does happen psychologically, physically, and energetically. It's not just an emotion. It happens on all these different levels within our being. And they can often happen at different time frames. That's one of the things about grief. It just makes its own time and you just have to align with it. It does not align with you. Yeah, there's a bereavement period, isn't there? Because Mm. there's different types of grief. Like we can be anticipating grief. Like for a long time in Australia, we were anticipating the amount of grief that somewhere like Italy or New York was going through. But now we're actually in a full grief, but not everybody is in the same type of grief, I don't think. Like the grief of losing a loved one is different from the grief of losing your power and your job and your income. Yeah, it's definitely a spectrum. Yeah. And I think on that spectrum, we all tap in at different points as Mm. well. Nobody has just lost one thing here. Mm. Some people have lost their job and their loved ones, the spiritual tunnel. Yeah. Yeah, or had to cancel their wedding and, uh, you know, has lost their income or whatever it is, yeah. And do you notice, like, Mm. grief, it starts with sorrow or sadness or distress, Mm. but then it can go into all those different other emotions where it's anger and then regret and then fear. And so it's so powerful, this energy, because because it doesn't just stop at one energy it really revolves through the whole spectrum and it's one of the only things chakrically that has the capacity to open every chakra at once and it can also touch joy a friend told Mm. me this beautiful story about her mother died and it was just so very sad and maybe like a week after her mother died she met her sister in a bar and there was a ring from her mother that she was passing on to her sister. And they wanted to just be together and talk about their mother and how much they loved her. So they ordered a bottle of champagne and they sat in this bar for hours and they drank the champagne and they laughed and they cried and they hugged each other. And then her sister presented the ring and gave it to her other sister and there were all these tears. And it was only as they were leaving that they realized that to anybody else looking on, that might have looked like a proposal. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just laughed and laughed and laughed yeah. and laughed about their funny little yeah. grieving proposal that they had it does touch on joy in these funny ways as well it's interesting isn't it because when all the chakras open and we're in that much distress the heart chakra really comes into being a major pump Mm, so you get that mm. sense of free euphoria that can happen now whether that's a mechanism that we have in within us that keeps us moving in those moments we, yeah, we are so grateful, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Psychologically, there's probably a whole lot of um, chemicals and adrenals and cortisols and, you know, things that go on that allow that to happen. But in an energetic way, the heart chakra is massive. The base chakra gets massive. So what happens is we're getting a massive energy pump through our body. And if you understand the heart chakra, it's like the sense of ecstasy. This, this, yeah. And so yeah. I've even spoken to people who are devastated. They've worked for 10 years in an industry that will now be at this point ceased. So their whole mm-hmm. identity, whole creative energy was going towards something at this time that's not foreseeably going to start again the same way and they grieved or they're in this deep distress but then they're like I also feel this weird euphoric freedom like what if I wasn't asking what if what if I was saying why the fuck not and they started going through all this next phase of euphoria but it, it like we've spoken about before it kind of goes through all these pendulums until we can find a new balance and it's 
Yeah, it's not linear. Yeah. Grief is not linear and that's why it does our heads in sometimes because I think we humans love a linear experience and we're like, okay, well, if I'm grieving on day one and it's the hardest day, I'd like day 60 or day 90 to be getting easier, thank you. But it's not the way. Like I recently, I'm still in grief for my grandmother's dying and I recently, and that was two years yeah. ago now, I recently had an experience where all of a sudden I just sat down and of wept course. and wept yeah. and wept for my nan it was just, and it was like this funny little thought I had about her and all of a sudden the floodgates opened and I'm two years on mm. from her dying and the grief is still very raw, yeah. less every day, but certainly still raw. It's this experience that we're in, I think it's going to come in waves that we can accept in terms of the reality shifting. And, yeah. and so, you know, for some of us, that is, I accept this person is unwell, they have passed, I wasn't able to attend their funeral, I accept that I am now, you know, extremely hardworking and have been industrious and am now receiving a benefit that I never thought I was going to. And then it goes in this wave, like even to the point Australia, you know, we're very lucky in this country in Australia, yet everyone can't come and play with us in the sandpit at the moment. Like, and we're not really ready to go and play in the sandpit either. So there's mm. there's all these different moments where you realise, oh, just because I'm okay, it doesn't mean that it's going to be okay because at some point I'm going to hit somebody that is is really not okay and I'm going to have to experience that with them. Yeah, and that is one of the experiences of grief that we're having at the moment. It is grief for ourselves and the absolute material things we have lost, but it's grief for everyone else as well. I don't personally know anyone who's died of COVID, touch wood, but I grieve for those who do. I'm not a frontline worker, but I grieve for those who are frontline working. Like it is, we do um, phase back and forth, don't we, between our personal losses and the collective losses that we can recognise and experience and feel. I had someone say to me this week, and, you know, it was their session and I just let them speak and they said, I can't watch any more funny memes about making personal projects, although I understand that's very healthy mentally for people inside, but they're on the front line. And yeah. they said, my goodness, I am living such a different reality. And I could see in their eyes that they had seen things that they were never going to be able to shift yeah. or change yeah. and they had to work yeah. through and I think at some point we're all going to have that awakening that even if we've been relatively sheltered that what's been going on and what is going on and not just from this but what the fallout is socially politically yeah. and financially yeah. is going to change everything and yeah. that that yeah. moment where your eyes open and you realize I'm not living the way I thought I was anymore is I think the moment yeah. where the bargaining might start and then the grief begins. So for some yeah. people listening to this, they're like, oh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not quite there yet, but I think eventually we will we'll all get there. Yeah, yeah. Is there a difference between suffering, grief, loss and disappointment or is it all energetically similar? I think when we're suffering and we're grieving and we're in sorrow, sorrow for me is a very deep spiritual experience because sorrow is different to the early stages of grieving. Sorrow is what you're doing. It's when you're in the experience with your nan's loss and you have accepted it, but you're allowing the deep pain to just come through you like a river almost just move oh I'm sorry support oh, no, it's okay I mean it's an episode about grief we really need to have a cry here it is <laughs> we're gonna bring it in but that that sorrow is I acknowledge there is nothing I can do I acknowledge it yeah. has been some time yet my heart and my soul and my body and my mind are in pain and for me that is sorrow disappointment mm is more about expectation and the feeling yeah. of around control and wanting. Yeah. It's that mental ego space in a way. Mm. I'm disappointed that I couldn't make that happen or change that. Didn't get that I've been thing. working with a yeah. lot of people around this aspect of this grief and this disappointment area and saying, what if we were to let go and to make that decision not to incur a debt, to move out of the house, to find a new solution how do you feel then? And it's funny, they'll say, I don't feel so disappointed 
Maybe I'm moving with yeah. the change. Maybe I'm I'm still yeah. grieving, but I don't feel disappointed. So I think it's possible to move on from the disappointment if you can find yeah. power in the decision mm-hmm. and choices and still grieve. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And if we talk about how one cares for oneself mm. in these acts, in processing disappointment, suffering, grief, loss, how we care for ourselves at this time, I really do think accepting it and going with the flow. It may not have been what you've chosen, but here it is. Mm. And you can like, of course, it's really natural to deny it or bargain or try to find a way around it. But I think eventually if you accept it and go with the flow of it, that's when possibilities open up. That's when yeah. That's when you, like, you can kind of ease your own way through the difficult times. So I have a few techniques that I use with myself. Oh, yeah, tell us about that. So I have the 48-hour rule where I am allowed to grieve and cry and be a child and tantrum and say I'm not Mm -hmm. happy, how dare you take my person Mm -hmm. or how dare you (laughs) shut the schools so that I can't have any (laughs) moments to myself even though I love my children. I really let myself very much be human for that 48 even 72 hours and then after that I'll go what do I need to do am I angry if I'm angry I will go out and buy a whole thing of pumpkins like a big massive box of pumpkins and I will smash the pumpkins or I will get a big pool noodle and I will whack the pool noodle or I'll jump up and down or I'll do something or dance I the don't aggression feel like out. we've discussed your pumpkin smashing on air yet and I'm really glad we finally got there <laughs> because it's surprising how cathartic smashing a pumpkin with a hammer actually is. It's like kind of mental, but it's amazing. Well, it and you painted him back. That's like a Lynette. Special. Well, it was given to me by a friend who realised that I had not processed my anger about my sexual abuse when I was little, and my therapist had said, "I don't think you've ever got angry." And she said, "I think you've forgiven everyone, and this is not this is not good. You've missed a stage." And she said to me, we need to smash something that is going to feel very, very visceral for you. And that was how it happened. I did not feel it at first. And then, oh, my goodness, it came in. And then my power came back into my body. I felt like I could defend myself after I had that experience. So it has become one of the things that I pass on to my students and go and they go together. They go in big groups into the forest and a wild together and then, you know, offer it to pig farmers and all sorts of things to feed their animals afterwards or whatever. It's like if you go into the woods today. <laughs> you might you, find you, a group of women find, smashing find a, pumpkins wildly. <laughs> You're in for a big surprise. There's women smashing <laughs> and pumpkins it's good. and screaming. Really let myself get the anger out at that point because it does something chemically to your body as well. You can get that energy and that cortisol and all the rage out of your body to the point you are exhausted. Then I will bathe and I will wash and magnese my body. Like I'll wash in bath salts and really soak my body and say it's time to let go. And that's usually when the sorrow or the crying will kick mm-hmm. in. And then I will make a decision about things. Because it's complex, the emotions connected mm. to grief. Yeah. And you do need to make space for all of mm. them. My mine, I call it a container. And I actually bring the tips of my fingers together away from my body. And I make like a circle mm. out in front of me. And I say this, here it is. Mm. Here, like so when it starts to creep up because often grief for me I find I'll just be going about my daily life and then all of a sudden here it mm. comes you know so I make I do this physical movement it's a bit ballet actually I kind of like it and I I say okay here is my grief and I just put down what I'm doing and I let it come yeah. and sometimes that's really easy I'm at home and I can just be like all right carve out 15 minutes here comes the grief sometimes I'm like 10 minutes away from teaching a yoga class and you're yeah. like okay we're doing this thing I've it's led to a lot of like standing in bathrooms, in public bathrooms or like in cafe bathrooms in the stall, just making a circle. Yeah. <laughs> my wow. But like just acknowledging yeah. it, just going, here it is. All right, it's coming. I ride the wave. Yeah. Whereas I find if I try and push it down and go, no, no, buck up, you've got things to do. It all just bursts out of me later. And it led to, especially my second grandmother dying, just a lot of public crying and being okay with public crying. And just being like, I'm walking down the street sobbing, welcome. This is my gift to you all. Everybody who sees me, here's your permission to have a cry on the street as well. Tear it up, ladies. Gentlemen, tear it up. I did a lot of crying in my um, 
cycle class, like, you know, my soul cycle (laughs) in the dark, neon lights, music class. I used to sob. (laughs) Tears on the floor. That's not sweat. That were tears. Just beautiful tears. (laughs) But, you know, so much power in the tears. I think it's important to let it through the body before you make new decisions. And so many people I've talked to in the last two weeks who have been at the precipice of, do I take out my superannuation? Mm. Do I leave this? Do I fight my landlord? Do I go to town with the government about trying to get what they promised that isn't going to happen? And the answer is so much. First of all, please let through what is happening for you and then you'll know the answer. It'll come after. this is a really good point you make. Grief and big decisions yeah. <laughs> d- don't go so well together. I remember after my mother-in-law died, and that was my first real experience with grief, mm. I got obsessed with a certain set of lingerie. Couldn't even tell you about that it now, but it, there was about three weeks <laughs> where I had to like, and also I only like, I'm not a lingerie lady. I'm like, Bonds black knickers until the end of time. I thought you're more a naked girl. Yeah, and like, yeah, <laughs> when I'm wearing clothes. So, but I decided that I definitely mm. needed this set of lingerie and they were almost sold out. So I could only like this David Jones here had like the bottom and this one here had the top and I had to call around and it was like a personal project. And it just was so important to me for about three weeks. And I spent a lot of money and time and effort and energy tracking down this. I, I never wore it. Mm. I don't need it. But these decisions I was making about, like, what was important, lingerie, that was important. Do you know, I I bought a car once at the end of a relationship in grief. Yeah, how'd that go? No, it was the worst car I ever bought. And I actually (laughs) sold it four months later and travelled because I I realised that I was trying to create a life that I was not going to continue in. But I was trying to put back the structure. But you're holding so on. So I was like, buy yeah. an expensive car, stay in the job you're in, get even more sturdy. And every time mm. I drove that car, something happened and it was only four months old. And I ended up saying to the car company, either they sold me a faulty car, but it was an example of my energy trying to put something back in the middle of pain and it just being an absolute Mm. disaster and I do think there is a really important note in that. Some of my grieving that I've been going through lately is very much an ego. It's like I had these stories that I told myself about who I was. I was a digital nomad, I was a traveller, I was free and easy, (laughs) I was a special little snowflake who just flitted across the world and now all of those things have been taken away and my ego was like, what? And I'm left to sit with, who, who am I when things are taken away? When yeah. everything is stripped away, who am I? And sometimes loss is loss of someone or something external or sometimes it's a change or a loss within us and they can be some of the most powerful and dramatic changes ever, can't they? Yeah, totally. And the ego doesn't like it when things doesn't go its way. Like what do they say? A a bad day for the ego is a good day for the soul. soul. So on a soul level, I have no doubt that I'm in alignment. You know, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. I trust. On an ego level, I am pissed and scared and sad and confused and mourning. I'm in grief. Have you had any moments where that was? Oh, my gosh. So I may have had a slight mental breakdown in um, Kmart on Sunday. Because uh, where I've moved to, it's going to get cold at some point. So I need I needed a dressing gown. It's been so long since I've owned a dressing gown because they don't fit in suitcases. They often come with mm. hotel rooms, so it's fine. And so I was like, had this mission to go buy a dressing gown in Kmart on a Sunday afternoon and just really had one of those like um, train spotting, choose life, wondering who you are on a Sunday afternoon kind of moments. Like where I really was like, I'm just, I'm buying a dressing gown in Kmart. Who am I? Yes. Who am I? Where do I belong? Who did I used to be? Who am I now? Yes. It's a great dressing gown. I'm pleased with it, but I really, and like this was the fourth store I'd gone into to try to find a dressing gown. Yeah. It just, it just, it was a lot. It's it sometimes lot. the most human moment amongst these transitions that other marker. Have you had one? For me, after I had my children. Yeah. One was when I, I'd had given birth and the midwife had told me like a whole lot of things I had to go and buy. I had two babies in a pram 
I had leaky breasts because I was breastfeeding and didn't know what I was doing. And then I was standing in the big undie section oh buying gosh. big undies. And I was like, am I ever going back mm, to the, the humility, underpants? The humility of grief in the big undie aisle. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not that girl anymore who bounces off to yoga and just has hair flowing. Like I just looked constantly like I had been cut. I'd been pulled out of a washing machine for a long time. My family, we say dragged backwards through a hedge. Was it a bit of a dragged backwards through a hedge kind of vibe you were rocking at that point? Yeah. And I've had, I've had clients talk to me about like their Botox is changing and they haven't seen Mm. wrinkles for a really long time. And now they're, they're going, Oh my goodness. I am seeing my old scars, my old face. Stripping away. It's so much of grief is a stripping away of the stories and what you identify with and what you thought you were meant to have, who you thought you were meant to be. And really raising the question of who am I when everything else falls over, when all the stories are gone, what is ever changing? What is still there? What do am I even wrapping this dressing gown around? Like what even is there? (laughs) Yeah, There's this funny thing that when you have your first child, you're like, right, I'm getting back into those small underpants and you do it and then the second child you're like I might just wear those floppy clothes a little bit longer and then by the third child you're like yeah I'm really enjoying no knickers for me anymore yeah no knickers (laughs) (laughs) are we at the no knicker stage (laughs) please the other thing I think that's worth saying here is I think animals are grieving in this as well they're not getting to go out as much and sometimes they're even having us around more and are like hey i'm used to i feel like cats hate it dogs love it (laughs) cats are are like what are you doing in my house dogs are like let's go for a walk people i love this and children my children at certain times one of my sons comes to me goes i've got big emotions we've i've been taking them on experiences of you know how to release it dance it we've been running around as much as we can hiding um, in the house and finding each other just as forms of energetic relief from the feeling mm. that life is getting very, very contained all the time. And and so I think we forget sometimes that little people and sensitive animals and all sorts of sentient beings are experiencing this as well. Yeah. So in terms of definitely, absolutely definitely, in terms of caring for ourselves make space for the emotions experience them move them through the body but certainly before you make any decisions ritual is one of the ways that humans have always dealt with grief as well and found some sort of structure through grief as best Mm. we can so i have a candle hospital going at the moment it's one of my rituals during periods of grief i set up on my little altar in my house a series of candles and people can text me and say, will you pray for me today? And I light a candle in their name and say a prayer for them and let the candle do the work. And the candle goes all day. And sometimes there are 50 candles going because all my clients are like, please help. So there is this little light of ray of energy going out to that person and it kind of creates a sustenance from another energetic space. And the other thing I do for ritual is when I'm finished with something or I want closure, I will write a letter and I send it to the universe about what I've been feeling, what happened, where I got to, what I need in the healing. And I kind of go and I, it's done. I need to move on. Mm. And I call in the next energy. I call in the positive experience and healing and I burn the letter. And both of those are really good examples of individual Mm. ritual, which is kind of what we have to rely on in these quarantine times because most morning rituals tend to be public. It tends to be the funeral. It tends to be sitting Shiva after. It's like visiting the grave or cleaning the grave, the day of the dead, like these. um, Even when you think about the one of the biggest examples of public mourning in recent, is it recent memory? It was 20 years ago now, but Diana, mm. that was a very public event. People, People bought that. flowers. Yeah. They needed to go somewhere and mm. do something. And we need our rituals right now to help us have a framework through our grief, but there's not that much possibility for public I love that. I love ritual. this because I think it is why we put the rainbow on our fence and it is why people came, mm, come yeah. out and clap and it's so important yeah. because it was kind yeah. of like a non-spiritual way that humans decided to try and do that. 
and I yeah, and I think you yeah. can see and that human concept yeah. of ritual coming through in a really powerful way. It's amazing how we've done that, really, I think, across yeah. languages and I boundaries and, I... and countries and races and all sorts of divides. By yeah, and grief is always an opportunity to call in support, mm. and that's an opportunity. That's an example, yeah. right? Of like, we are in grief. Maybe we're not naming it, but we want to be together. We want to support. We want to like feel the unity. It's yeah. one of the yeah. universal emotions. So every mm. sentient being feels grief. Even animals grieve. Like if you've watched a herd mm. of elephants over the death yeah, of a, yep. a member of their herd or uh, the yep. gorillas, they grieve and will hold the body of that dead gorilla in their yeah, tribe if you've even just weeks. ever had pets yeah. and one of them's died, the other ones mm. know, they know and they feel yeah. it. So yeah. grief is, it's part of being alive. It's part of being human. It's part of evolving. We're not going to be able to avoid it, particularly once this growth phase comes. Are you sure? What if I just numbed really hard or ran away from it or just denied it existence? What would happen if I did that to You'll my grief? you probably end up back in my chair or someone else's chair like <laughs> mine. And, you know, it could be 10 years. I've read people who've been doing that yeah. for 10 years. Because you can run, but you, you can't yeah, hide. It does get you eventually. Part, yeah. So in terms of spiritual traditions, they all have something to say about grief and loss and losing because it is such a universal experience. It does cross species and um, cultures and races and genders and it's a very earth experience, yeah. every, everything on earth experiences it. The Buddhists have kind of cornered the market on suffering. Though, haven't they? Like, <laughs> well, the Catholics really you know, love a bit the of Catholics suffering. Catholics do all right too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, the, okay, look, Everyone. everybody, the Jewish people yeah. do as well. Everybody's at it. But in these modern times, maybe we connect this idea of life as suffering as a Buddhist concept. Yeah, the, the, the spiritualist version of suffering and grief it tends to lean towards the Buddhist understanding. And it? suffering grief is a spiritual path. Yeah, yeah. And this, and this concept, and it's tricky because it, it kind of is all about understanding that if we let go, then we are, then the rebirth happens. So it's not being attached or understanding that mm. life is meant to incorporate this suffering because by undoing that energy or working through it, we create a sense of freedom or liberation. But it gets tricky in there because if we don't get attached or we don't connect, we don't learn how to love, even though we evolve the concept of our love over our lifetime, it, it's still, I think, one of the things that you could sit down and have a really chunky conversation with anyone who's in the Buddhist tradition because I, I think it's what people have come to learn, really. It's what we've all come to learn is how do you love but let go and how do you enjoy the process when something mm. ends or something changes? Can you enjoy it? Like, is it possible? Yeah, what is the balance between um, yeah, being open to new possibilities and not like having to close everything down to deal with the pain of knowing that they'll be lost? And like this is what we were talking about before, that grief puts us in contact with this higher truth that nothing is permanent and that everything changes and all the people you love are going to die everyone you've ever and known you. is going and to die me. you are going to yeah. die yeah well there's going to be in a million years time any trace of you in this lifetime is going to be gone which can do our like heads and hearts in when we have to try it seems like a really big mountain mm. to climb the concept of making peace with that but the buddhists have kind of created a path and yoga as well where you can go step by step on the path up that mm. hill and learn, and it is a process of letting go, which is never mm. done. You never like letting go. Mm. I've done it, <laughs> finished. Next, it's always a daily process and like a daily understanding of making friends with the fact that mm. change is the only constant, and no longer having to be scared of it, and actually then accessing some new possibilities and wisdom of being in the flow with that truth. Massive. Yes, massive. <laughs> I haven't done it yet. I've been working on it for 15 years. Still an amateur. <laughs> yeah, it, it's that concept of greeting life as it comes and saying, okay, this is what's happening and this is where we're at. It doesn't mean I'm not feeling it. You know, the first project mm. is to accept that the reality is taking place. The second project is to 
process the emotions. The third project is yeah. to adjust. The fourth project yeah. is, you know, how to maintain a connection with what was but continue on and to find a place for how to make that meaningful in the new journey. But that is not easy. Like I think that to get no. to a place where you accept I am a spiritual adult, I am not in control, things are not going according to my plan always. I may get the blessing of being able to control something for a certain amount of time or enjoy it mm. for longer than I thought. Or the illusion yeah. of. But yeah. ultimately, you know, everything is on loan. Mm. I remember someone saying that to me when I was younger about their partner. They said to me, I love my partner, I love my husband, but, you know, he's on loan, we all are. And I remember yeah. thinking, yep. whoa, gosh, how confronting. But it is true. Even I have had to sit with the fact my children, my family, yeah, my job, yeah. myself, my body is all on loan. And I think of it a little bit as like juggling plates. Mm. If you need to be in control, if you've got to juggle all the plates and keep them all in the air, it's really exhausting. You can do it for a time, but it's exhausting. But if you just step back and let all the plates crash then you don't have to be in control anymore. You don't have to keep them all moving. And then you've actually got the time and space to realise what is rather than you want, you want it to be or what you'd hoped it would be. And it's funny, Kirli, because when we decided to start season two with Metamorphosis, we yep. did not realise when we had that conversation back in 2019, the olden days, as you've dubbed it, that we were actually going to be going through that in this through, incredibly yep. high-voltage way. But I don't think we knew this we was did, coming. No. <laughs> and we talked a lot in that episode about transitions and healing through change yeah. and embracing change yeah. and how it's one of probably the most powerful lessons that we can be confronted with and then learning where we want to control things, like where that intercepts each person is different. Like you might think I need Completely. to be in financial control, but I might go, oh, money doesn't really worry me. Oh, God, I feel like I can live on two cents. Other people are like health, my health, my body yeah, is my energy where yeah. it meets and connects with me. Me, it's space. My room always has to be clean. My mm, house always has to too. have like a nice feng shui to it. Like that's where me I get too. my control, yah-yahs out and enjoy. You'll find me stacking a dishwasher or vacuuming a rug my partner loves to rake the backyard like yeah, I know when yep. he's mulling over change because he's like mm -hmm, he's just gonna go mm -hmm. control the garden <laughs> and he it's good division of labor you control the house he controls the garden everyone's processing their shit and everything looks great so. what don't you control what have you always been like nah I'm good with that um the future mm. I don't try and control the future and I've realized that a lot of people do and there might be a part of my brain that's missing because I don't think and plan ahead and go all right so when I'm 60 this is what it's going to look like yeah, like I, I do this do now and it'll pay off then I'm just like la 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 blow with the wind yeah. like got a clean room but got no plan for when I'm 70. Yeah that's so you? true I'm the same and I wasn't always like that I've got to say but the more futures I read the more I realized that whatever was laid out for me was going to be better than I could control or can create. Yeah. I step into yep. each moment. My, my, my prayer is I'm always available and activated to step into each moment, to be available yep. for the best that could possibly be, to set it all up, like you said, set the room for the energy that could be there. But I try really hard not to control the future. I, you know one of the things I try hard not to control? Relationships anymore. Yeah, I really, yep, that's, that's I, nice. I really try and go. Well, let's see where this goes. Let's, mm. let's not all pack it in in the first six weeks, or let's not try and over text and over connect. Let's. Just, I'm happy to wait. Let's see if we're truly mm, divinely meant to be in each other's lives for ten years. Yeah. And yep. I, that wasn't always the case either. These were all hard lessons. I'm thinking <laughs> as I go back, I go, well, there were some really hard lessons around those things that I've lost control of. It's interesting as well because when you start to trust the spiritual process, I trust my mm. guides. They do such a better job mm. of organizing my life than mm. I ever could. I often say that like God is my mm. PA because she'll just mm. organize things for me sometimes that are in the back mm. of my mind and she'll make them reality in such a better way than I mm. ever possibly could. So I think when you can fall into trust and flow and connection to a higher source, that's when the process of, of grieving, change, loss, 
and making peace with all of that can become more of a flowing state than a than a pushing state maybe I don't want to know if I want to say easier but it's a different experience yeah I think you know when you're in the presence of a really good spiritual teacher because their goal is to connect you back to that support energy around you and through you that means that you can stand in these moments and truly know that is true and whenever I'm teaching that's my goal so I'll go with people Mm. for a year but my goal is at the end of the year that they know that they have everything they need in the hardest moments of their journey and not all of us were raised and had parents who could do that for themselves god bless them or then show us that we had that fortitude within us and if you've been an empath all of your life before you even knew it, you were probably taking on other people's energies, grieving, Ugh. sorrow, pain, and processing it through your little superhuman computer. Just like the computer. first 35 years of my yeah. life without even realising I was doing it. No skills to deal with it and no coping mechanisms. Got there eventually with your help. Uh, yeah, but been there, done yeah, that. it's big. Did not get the T-shirt. Yeah. It was big, yeah. yeah. And also yeah. if you look at the previous generation and the archetype energy of the Piscean age it was to control it was to put it Mm. back where it had been filed and don't move it thank you very much Kiralee we don't Mm -hmm. need to take Mm -hmm. it anywhere other than where it's been whereas now we're like hey could we think of a new paradigm what could we do with that yeah and And even if we weren't like hey can we think of a new paradigm that opportunity's (laughs) been given to us on mass I do want to talk about teaching from the wound. Mm. So this is one of the beautiful gifts that I have discovered in grief, that especially as a yoga teacher, if you get me six months after a massive loss, you've got me. Like my classes Mm. and my teachings in Mm. that time are touching the void. They're touching something very Mm. special. They're very raw. Mm. I'm not in any way trying to the teach in a way, I'm just letting it flow because grief does crack mm. you open. And it's like this, what is it that when you, the holes in your heart and the breakages in your heart, the cracks in your heart, that's how the light gets mm. in. That's how you can discover mm. what's really in there. And teaching from the wound actually changed my life. The idea that I didn't have to like strap on a smile and here we go, people, like, here are the teachings yeah. of yoga. The way I could just be like, hey, guess what? I'm broken. Yeah. So if you're broken, like step forward. Let's. I'm holding space for you. Do you know, Kiralee, when I first started reading, which you were one of the first people I read um, in, in Sydney, I said to my teacher, I feel too broken to begin. He said, yeah. you are so ready. Yeah. I said, I'm too broken. Yeah. I'm not fixed yet. Yeah. He said, no, this is where you start. Start here. Yeah. Your compassion has never been higher. Mm. You have never been softer. You are, have never been more available to want to support people through pain and to truly teach them how to rebuild their life. And, you know, I was very Thank young, you. did not believe him. But the truth was every person that sat in front of me, I did not want them to suffer the way I had. So I was mm. completely available from an, as an open channel. Thank you so much for saying the C word, compassion, because that's another of the gifts of grief, isn't it? That when you've been through it, you can hold other people that are through it. I feel like a lot of the people who are like, oh, are you still grieving? Move it along. This should be quicker. Why are you still sad? I feel like some of those people haven't really experienced major loss and therefore they don't know how to help other people through it. And if you've experienced it, you can recognize it in other people and be compassionate and hold them. And listen to all the spiritual teachers out there of our time. Elenia Van Zandt, Oprah Winfrey, Carolyn Meese, Deepak Chopra. Like, God, we could list an army. Thank God. But they're all saying, hey, can we see this for who, what it is and work with it? We've got politicians. We are going to reopen. We're worried about the mm. price of crude oil and where we're going to store it. We cannot halt mortgages and rent for six months. Are you crazy? We're like open the country. And what's hard about that is that when you have people suffering and in financial loss, they don't have time to stop and feel and change. They've got to get out there or they will starve or they won't be able to have any power. So we're living in a completely conflicted experience of that at the moment where some people are not given the privilege of having this time to have that compassion and to heal and to figure out what they want to be. Because essentially 
we've got two energies running here, which I think is pretty much what's going to happen for the rest of this year, is that we've got one energy that's the old paradigm and the other energy that's the new paradigm. Revolutions are messy, Kiralee. Revolutions transitions are are hard. Change is hard. Revolutions are hard. I'm a bit tired already. Can I just watch some memes? That would be lovely. (laughs) I'm watching a lot of movies. I'm really revisiting the old Harry Potter. You and I are both obsessing on Harry Potter at the moment. (laughs) We are. We're really. I'm really deep diving with my kids. It's so great. Yeah, and it's a story about like individual sacrifice for collective good and not being afraid to stand up for what you believe in. And what does Dumbledore say? If you've ever got to choose between the hard thing and the right thing, choose the, you know, choose the right thing, right? Like even if we've each each got the positive and the negative or the good and the bad within us, it's the mm. choices that we make that really define us. Make. We make just reached the Half-Blood Prince. And I think that's one of the best in the series. I know we're going to talk about the sacred text at some point as a whole episode. We're doing a whole episode on Harry Potter at some point, aren't we? Like, let's just put that on the table. Amazing. (laughs) We are absolutely. We are. We have to. It is so brilliant. If you have not got into it, can we just say stop, pause, off you go. We'll see you in six weeks. (laughs) Come back when you've read all seven books. See (laughs) you then. Great. That story (laughs) at the end of that film where – there is collective darkness and there is a feeling mm. that he has tipped the balance in that that movie and to have to find that light again that seems like exactly where we are right now so our grief has to open us to the light like you said and the compassion rather than buck up rather than you know put it all push it all down And we've all been given this opportunity to make choices. If it's not what we're given that defines Mm. who we are, if it's the choices we make Mm. that define who we are, that's something we can really come through our grief with, come out the other side of our grief with. What do we want to change? Who do we want to be at the end of this? What have we learned about ourselves and how will we make choices around this new paradigm? as opposed to the the olden days a month ago, the olden paradigm, like how do we step into the future? And and I don't have an answer for that. I don't think we need to have an answer for that yet, but I think we need to start asking the questions. Yeah, and is that a utopian concept? I actually hope and don't think so. I actually don't think this experience, even if we come out of it the first wave, I don't think we're going to be able to put the building blocks back in the same place. I think eventually this will keep shifting to the point where we don't have a choice but to change. So this grief and this awareness is going to come in waves for different people. But Carolyn Meese talks about it as the fact that the phoenix will need to rise from the ashes. And interestingly, Mm. as we talked about last time, America is considered the third chakra, which is symboled by the phoenix of our planet. So that country basically needs to move into that cycle and when it finds itself again we will start to shift our focus now it doesn't mean that it's going to have to do all the hard work on its own because what's going on around it and everyone around that country not necessarily stepping back into an old paradigm is definitely going to push that country into shifting and changing and creating itself into new. The thing I love about the concept of the phoenix, not only does it exist in Harry Potter and isn't the symbol of Dumbledore, but it's the concept that the tears from the phoenix are the elixir that bring life back. Mm. And so when we cry and when we grieve and we don't go in to build it, build it, build it, make it, make it, make it, we actually soften and grieve. It's the tears that rejuvenate the next phase of life and it's always rebirth Mm, nature teaches us that there's always a cycle and the sun always comes Mm. up it always comes up the next day and we die and then we are reborn and we do it sometimes little ones in our lives and then we do the big one at the end of our life before our next life like we are in a cycle and grief is not a permanent state it is a part of a cycle again not so linear maybe as just a straight circle but um it's a really important part of our lives, but we don't need to feel like it's all of our lives and we will never move through this and we will never come out the other side of this, even though we are at the beginning of it. It might be a bit early to talk about the other side of it, but we're on a journey, you know, like we are moving. Yeah. Well, we're in the baptism of fire and, and grief makes you powerful. If you look at 
the hero's journey and you look at the fact that for many of us, if you mark the points in your life where you became awake, aware, mature, powerful, they're often after great periods of loss. A lot of leaders on our planet that have done amazing things lost someone very, very young. They lost something very, very big and it awakened them to the concept of something else within them, just like Harry does in that movie. And it's so many... I don't know so much about Deepak Chopra, to be honest, but Ayana Van Zandt and Oprah Winfrey both have deep trauma in their lives and in their past that has led them to be the incredibly powerful, spiritually connected, aware, wise women that they are. There is, again, these gifts in grief and in difficulty and in loss and in losing that, that do come, that do come. Yeah, it, it takes time, it, but it does it, come. It does. It really does. And I think mm. if anyone is out there swimming in the ocean, the very mm. deep, highly wavy ocean that is mm. the pain and the loss of grief. It's to ride the waves and to trust that that yep. is going to be true for you too. It is. It is a promise. There is a. There is an end to the tunnel. Yeah, and you're not alone. You're not alone. One thing about grief, it can feel very alienating when it's just you going mm. through it. Collectively, we're all going we through are, it at the moment. We are going so through it together. You're not alone. We are supporting each other. You are in. We're all in the ocean together. Even if someone's not enjoying the honks, yeah, or <laughs> like love Send for that, that person, person love- whatever they're going through, that means that they're angry at the honks. You're welcome at the table. Yeah, I hope they, I hope they find peace. So, what are our takeaways? Grief. Grieving, loss, losing. (sighs) What did we learn today? Besides we all need a good cry and like a hug. Okay. There's a finish line. There is a finish line. It's not a race, but there's a finish line. Grief has its own lifespan, but there is an end to the grief. Yes. Grieving is exhausting and it requires rest and patience, less doing, more feeling, stillness, humility and surrender. And you are allowed to give those things to yourself. You're always allowed to give those things to yourself. You're grieving because you love, because you care, because mm, you are connected. Yes. That love. Yes. And you hold, you treasure yeah, and things. And that love yeah. is the same love that is going to heal you. It is the same love that is going to heal all of us and our planet. And so whenever you're grieving, go back into the love. That's my rule is stay with the love. Mm. Where's the love? Come back to the love. Yeah. Um, and it's the cracks in your heart that let the light in. So you can mm. feel good about that. Quick quote from Joan Didion, grief when it comes is nothing like we expect Mm. it to be. So your grief doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to unfold a certain way. It doesn't have to be for a certain prescribed thing or things or people. Um, Grief is unexpected and it just comes as it is. So you're allowed to just welcome it as it arrives. Yeah, And grief brings us closer to ourselves. It brings us closer to the divine, the true alignment of nature and the flow of where we're going and it takes us into an awakened state. So if we can move with it, the way forward becomes clear. Mm-hmm. And we support you. Yeah. We support you. We do. You. And we, we were, you know, let's take a moment to grieve and think and remember for all the things that we've lost and we treasure. Mm-hmm. Support, support you, you. Yeah. Support what you an listeners. amazing time we are yeah. living yeah. in and living present in. for. Look, there's this little thing that we do at the end of every episode, but I'm going to try and keep a bit of normality. We're going to do it. Uh, it's what the world needs now because we do like to end things on a bit of a positive vibe. So we acknowledge your grief, we see your grief, we hold you in your grief. And we also would like to offer the things that we're enjoying at the moment. And the things that are helping to anchor us at the moment. I think the world needs now is more meditation. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be like med- like not fancy yeah. schmancy. You yeah. don't need a meditation app. It doesn't have to be a meditation retreat in Bali. I don't think they exist anymore. It is just 10 minutes mm-hmm. of checking in. So like locking yourself in the cupboard, 
sitting somewhere and just closing your eyes and being with your breath for 10 minutes. And meditation doesn't have to look a certain way or feel a certain way. If in that 10 minutes, all you notice is that your head is really busy, that's really fine. But any opportunity you can take to just close your eyes and breathe and be like, here I am, I am here. That's what I, that's what's holding me down at the moment. Oh my goodness. I don't know where I'd be without that. And I think, I think that's what the world needs a little bit more of now. Checking in, meditation, breath. I'm going to suggest two things. One is bathing. If you can draw yourself a bath, get out the bath salts and create yourself like almost a ritualistic pond to sit in and to feel the energy of just allowing that water to cleanse and take away anything that is causing you grief. That's the first thing. And if you can't do that, sit under the shower for a bit with a few essential oils or something beautiful in the bottom I of it. I put crystals in. And I was like, yes, can we all sit under the shower together? <laughs> but no, you're yeah, right, essential oils. That's far more bottom, pandemic yep. friendly. Yep. <laughs> if you have, yep. With quarantining, how can you share a shower? Small cubicle. Um, <laughs> Just dream into the future. Yeah. And the other is a book called Phosphorescence. And somebody sent this to me and it's by Julia Bird. And she had come out of cancer and a heartbreak And it's subtitled, All Wonder and Things That Sustain You When the World Goes Dark. So whoever sent this to me knew me very, very well um, because I love this topic. I just think it is, it's one of the most powerful, important topics that we as humans need to learn about and hold on to. And it is a fantastic book. I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah, I've heard it's great. And Phosphorescence, all the glow that happens with Um, the sea life in the very, very darkest parts Mm. of the ocean and it's the way they glow neon. So if you're feeling that you're in the dark, dark, this is a special, special book that I can recommend. Thank you for sharing. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of the Woo Woo Verse. If you like what we do, then it would be wonderful if you could leave us a review. It can just be a review of tears. We're mm. here for that. Uh, you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. That's where you'll find their podcast. Leave us reviews. Please rate us five stars. It does help us get the word out about the pod. And we also would love to hear from you. We are looking for your questions. We're super pumped to be doing a frequently asked question episode really soon. And if you want to send that one to us, please do hit up our website, woowooverse.com. Mm. And you'll see the form there. You'll also see our email address. You can email us or write on the form. Send us your questions. Please ask. We can't wait to answer. It's been a trip. Support you. Support you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Woo Verse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you. <laughs>